Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Isn't God so good? Amen. You can sit down just for one second as we're getting started here. Today we're going to talk about truth. We're going to talk about standing for truth. And I wrestle with the title forever because I like to come up with a cool title. It's nearly my favorite part. And I tried to, to come up with a cool subtitle for this, which is like my second favorite part. And I couldn't quite nail it down, but we were going to talk about in shifting sands. Standing for truth is our main topic today. If we had a subtopic, it would be in shifting sands because we live in a, an era right now that is shifting sand below our feet. Whether it be through COVID, physically our world is shifting, whether it be doctrinally, ideologically, everything seems to shift as fluid as our emotions at times. So I want to take a moment and I want to thank our pastor. I want to, to honor him, and I want to thank him. Thank you, Pastor and Sister Gill. In these ridiculous times, on sand that's shifting like water, thank you for leading our church, for standing for truth, in and out, complete, piece by piece. Thank you for standing for truth. Thank you for standing for our church, a solid rock. Thank you. Thank you, Bishop, for being our covering, for covering us, as we stand for truth, watching you stand for truth. Thank you, David and Grace, our student ministers, leading our young people in shifting sands. Thank you for that. Thank you to our ministry team. Thank you for standing for truth for each and every member and all our family. Thank you all for standing for truth. When it's easy, when it's hard, thank you. At work, at church, and everywhere in between. Thank you for standing. It's not easy sometimes. It's not popular most of the time. But thank you. Each and every one of you, thank you for standing for truth. All right. Now if you'd stand with me. Now that I buttered you up, I'll stand you up. We're starting in Ephesians chapter 6, reading 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, wherefore, all this is bad, all this is shifting, everything's changing, wherefore. Even still, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all 
to stand. When you've exhausted yourself, stand. When you feel like you're losing, stand. Today we'll talk standing for truth. Standing for truth. God, I thank you for an opportunity to come today and to deliver your word. I thank you for an opportunity to hear your word, to be affected by your word. I open my heart and my mind to receive it, to be affected by it, to be molded by it. And God, today I stand on your truth, immovable, steadfast in your name. Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In the onset of our study today, we're going to talk about the literal act of standing, just the physical, rudimentary act of standing. We're going to talk about, we're going to break it down piece by piece, what you need to stand, how you have to stand, and we're going to take a little bit uh, from each aspect. We're going to take from each piece, it literally takes to stand, we're going to break that apart, and we're going to parallel that into the spiritual. So we're going to talk about physically standing, but when we talk about physically standing, we can parallel that, parallel that straight to the spiritual. So let's stand. In the physical act of standing, there's three main aspects you need. Turn to your neighbor and say, you just need three. three. All right, first thing you need is the strength to stand. You need muscles that support yourself. Secondly, you need the balance to not fall. Thirdly, you need the will to remain standing. So you will be unable to stand for any prolonged period of time if you only have two of these three. You have to have all three working together. You'll be able to stand for as long as you please. So if you have balance and you have the will to stand, but you lack the strength, you'll physically run out of strength and you'll begin to crumble. You can have the strength and the will to stand. You can stand for as long as you you would like to and as long as your strength remains. But if you lack balance, the first thing that comes and it will knock you off balance, you will fall. And thirdly, you have the strength and the balance to stand, but if you lack the will to stand, you'll simply sit down like we did a moment ago. You no longer have the will to stand, you'll just sit. So knowing these aspects, these physical aspects, let's look back again at our opening text of verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. So the definition, the original uh, word stand here in the text, we get to make to stand, to set up, to establish, to place yourself. I set in balance. I stand. I stand by. I stand still. I stand ready. I stand firm. I stand steadfast, and I will not move. Having done all, stand. Steadfast, firm, immovable, and unchangeable. Today, I'm here to encourage you to stand for truth, to remind you the gravity of what we are doing, to remind you that each and every fruit you bear in your life is proof to the truth. Every fruit you bear, everywhere you go is proof that there is a God that can make a difference in each and every life. Today, I pray you'd have a renewed vigor to stand against the anti-Christian culture that surrounds us. I pray that you would have some boldness in knowing that you are on the winning side period. You're on the winning side. Regardless of what the battle looks like, when you stand, you are victorious. The devil will try to convince you the otherwise. Well, you've got to prowl forward. You've got to just conquer and conquer and conquer. If you're just standing, you're doing nothing. That is a lie. I'm beating your butt. You tell the devil, if I'm standing, you're losing. 
I pray that you would have some boldness in knowing this by the time we leave today. When you stand, you're victorious. If you remain standing for truth, we win. If I remain immovable in the truth, I win. In Jesus' name. I don't have to come through clean. I won't come through without bruises. The devil may get a few good shots in, but I'll tell you what, I'll get the final shot in. He might get me once or twice, but I'm still standing. I'm not quitting. I'm not letting go. I'm on the victory side. I will see my loved ones saved. I will get healing on this side of heaven or the other. And I will never stop standing for truth. Ever. I'm going to read a quote for you. It may sound similar, and I hope it does. Sun Tzu, in his book, The Art of War, says, Victorious warriors win first, then go to battle. Defeated warriors go to battle and then seek to win. I don't fight for victory. As pastor says, I fight from victory. Before I ever pick up the sword, before the devil ever swings at me, I win. Swing as you want, devil. You lose. You lose. When we remain standing, we win. We are victorious. I know I'm, se- I'm seeming monotonous for a moment, but I want to understand. It's so rudimentary, but it is so true. When you stand for truth, when you refuse to let go, when you refuse to let go of the word, and this is in every moment, in every piece of modesty, in every piece of temperance, in every piece of character that the word stands for, you stand for, you win. So we're victor- victorious now. Are you ready to learn about standing some more? Let's learn how we stand. First, you have the strength to stand. While physical strength is found in exercise and working of our muscles and hydrating properly, we often look at our spiritual muscles to be the same, right? We think, well, if I go through trials, if I go through hard times, this grows my faith. It will stretch and it'll grow my faith. It'll, it'll, it'll test my will and then I'll grow in fortitude. That's what happens. I have to go through so many battles to get so strong because it works how my physical body does. I have to do so many curls before my bicep gets so big. I have to go through so many trials before my faith gets so big. Well, I will argue that today. Although it is true to say we do grow in trials. It is true to say your strength is grown in trials. I think the primary reason we go through trials is because of the spiritual perspective we get on the other side. I don't get stronger just because I went made it through the trial. I get stronger because going on the other side of the trial, I learned the perspective to lean on him more. And when I lean on him, As we looked at in Ephesians 6 and 10 from our opening text again, my brethren, finally, be strong in the Lord. Not in yourself, not in your neighbor. Love your neighbor, but don't lean on your neighbor. Lean on God. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his night. We're not instructed to be strong by ourselves. We're not instructed to flex our spiritual muscles and say, do you see what I made it through? You just imagine how strong I am. See that thing I kicked last week? Yeah. I'm pretty strong. We're instructed to lean on the everlasting arms of Jesus. We're instructed to lean on the one whose strength never runs out. I can lean on him more and more and more, and he never falls. He never falters. He never fails me. He will not let me fall. He will not let me run out of strength as I'm leaning on him. How many times have you gone through something and you have that mentality that says, Watch this, God. I'm going to take care of this one. I know y'all just thought of something. I do it all the time. I'm working on it, obviously. But 
You, you get into that trial and you're like, I want to take care of this because God won't be proud of me until I take care of this myself. And that's where we get back to that spiritual strength, you know, cycle. We think, well, I got to get stronger, so I got to show Jesus how strong I'm getting. I have to show God how strong I'm becoming. So that way, when he sends another trial my way, he knows I can take care of it. Well, I don't know about you, but whenever I see that, I see God just shaking his head, being like, he didn't get it again. Boy, this guy's got a thick skull. I got to send him another one. And I'm going through more trials than I need to because I'm not getting it through my head. I don't have to be strong. I have to know that he is strong. I don't have to have any sort of spiritual strength. I just have to know where that strength is. I just have to know where the tap is. And I know where it is. It's in the word. It's in him. God, I don't have the strength to make it today, but I know you do. I've, I've become a habit as I have my fatigue spells. I say, God, I thank you for strength. And he gives it. Thank you for the strength I need today. And he gives it. Every day, you know what happens? I make it home, I make it to my bed, and I've got some strength left because he gives it to me. I lean on him. We have to have the strength to stand. It comes from leaning on him, not your own strength. Isolation from God is not a a way to strengthen your spirit. It is a way for the devil to deceive you. It is not an opportunity to impress God. It's an opportunity for you to lean on him. He wants you closer to him. So lean on him. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you got to have balance too. As defined, hang with me here. As defined, balance is a state of equilibrium. And equilibrium is a state of balance between opposing forces or objects. So balance is equilibrium. Equilibrium is balance. So we could say then that balance is the ability to remain where you need to be while other things are pulling you where you want to be. All right. That's good. We often use balance in the perspective of keeping our lives prioritized, right? We ask questions like, well, how do I balance my work life and my home life? How do I balance my hobby life and my work life and my home life? What do I do whenever they start to overstep one another? What do I do when I start to work too much or I start to not show up to work at all or what have you? What do we do? Balance is the ability to stand for truth while the culture is pulling you every which way. The ability to stand for truth while compromise is trying its best to pull you this way and that way. While your ambitions, your passions, your temptations, your popularity seek to filter the truth to match what it needs to be in order to stay relevant in today's culture. Balance is the ability to not move. Balance is the ability to know when to avoid forces that are pulling you places you know you should not be. Balance keeps us steadfast, keeps us immovable in truth. Balance is clinging to truth and standing steadfast while other things want to change and pull at us. There are those, however, who attempt to do exactly the opposite. They cling to their emotions, cling to their thoughts, your, you know, uh, passioned opinions, cling to the things that you know and you think to be true. They cling to their sandy foundations while truth tries to pull them back. Truth tries to woo them back. God says, that's not where I need you to be. My truth is over here. I don't care if you say it's over there. It's over here. Come home, son. Come home, daughter. As Bishop mentioned on Tuesday, we see this, the first example of this type of mentality in the first meeting of the Council of Nicaea, 
We see Constantine brought together theologians and pastors and uh, the religious leaders in that day. And the goal of the council was for all of Christendom to come to a consensus on what was true. They all came together and said, we all believe different things. But Constantine said, you're going to believe in one thing before you leave. And if, if I'm correct in thinking, the Arians didn't cave. They, they clung to what they believed, and he exiled them for it. Okay. You believe or you're exiled. Compromise is what happened here. And since the fall of Adam, the fall of man, we have seen compromise. Adam and Eve sacrificed a perfect relationship with God for the suggestion that they could be as God. That they could know good and evil. Just a suggestion. A prominent religious figure was recently quoted in saying, and I quote, homosexual people have a right to be in a family. They are children of God and have a right to a family. He also added, what we have to do is create a civil union law. That way they're legally covered, end quote. Now, that all of you have shifted and gotten comfortable, as I did when I wrote it down, there is a difference between loving people and changing truth. There is a difference between saying, I love you, I care for you, I believe in you, you are a child of God, truth's over here, let me help you. Just like Constantine, this religious leader is not standing on truth, he is stomping on truth. This takes us perhaps towards a warning we see in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. As a society, we're trying to evict God from his own church. We're trying to tell him that truth simply can't keep up with our world. It was wonderful for a time and helpful in seasons, God. Your truth, it was nice. I got to cling to it in times when I needed it most. But now it's just too slow. It can't keep up. We've got too many ideas. You don't understand all the heartstrings that get pulled and say, well, well, truth needs to move over here. Really, you're not inclusive enough. You're not loving enough. You're not caring enough. If you were really a caring church, you would cater to what I need, to how I was created. If you really cared, you would move truth for me. There are pastors of churches all around America that invite everybody in except for God. They write books about how to have your best life now, and they neglect to mention the cross one time. We cannot have our best life now without the cross. Our culture wants to be full of positive thinking and self-help, you know, catchphrases, but we want to be empty on truth. Genesis 3 and 5, for God hath done, God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be open. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. In essence, the devil beguiled Adam and Eve with the same lines he uses today. He just uses different bait. Adam and Eve were baited and beguiled and deceived with the bait that says you can know what's good and evil. And today, the enemy is baiting culture with you can define what is good and what is evil. Our culture fears conviction, not because conviction will make us grow, but because it will make us uncomfortable. Physically, I like conviction just as much as the next guy. But I'll tell you, it makes me grow. It causes me to lay aside weights so I can step on the rock more centered, 
So I'm not looking at the edge of God's word and saying, eh, it's kind of a gray area. I don't know. Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's not. That's the old law. That's the new law. That's this. That's that. It's the truth. So stand on it. Conviction is truth attempting to correct us, attempting to let us know you're off balance. You're off path. Conviction means your spirit is charging forward just a little bit deeper than your flesh wants to go or sometimes is willing to go. Conviction reminds us that we are not the final authority. I'm not the final authority. Religious leaders are not the final authority. It doesn't matter how holy, worthy, whatever we are, God is the final authority. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, he gave some apostles, some prophets and evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, not for the comfort of the saints, for the perfecting of the saints. God wants you to be perfect and you can be. Stand on his word. He'll mold you. He'll pull you. He'll push you and form you. It will be uncomfortable. It will hurt your flesh. But it's for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in unity of the faith. And that is not a unity of faith that is compromised, that is defined, that is changed as Constantine and church leaders today would have you to believe. It is God's truth or nothing. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. I want to be steady. I want to be sure. I don't want to chase, spend my time chasing my tail over what's the newest trend. What's the newest heartstrings the culture is trying to pull to get me to turn to this way or to that way? It doesn't matter. Again, there is a difference between loving people and changing truth. When you change truth for people, you offer them no hope. Because what happens when they change? Truth changes. What happens when this truth disagrees with this truth? As Ravi Zacharias has said, the only absolute truth that is held today is the absolute truth. There are no absolute truths. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things, which is the head, even Christ. We must stand for truth no matter where the wind blows. It doesn't matter. Speak the truth in love no matter what the cares of the world. Stand steady and sure where you are. Dig your heels in on the rock and say, this is the truth, and I will not betray it. I will not sell it. I will not let go of it. I will stand for truth. Now turn to your neighbor and tell him, do you will? A will to remain standing. So earlier we mentioned there's three components of standing, right? Does anybody remember those three? You have to have the strength to stand. You have to have the balance not to fall, and you have to have the will to remain standing. We talked about how you cannot stand with two of those three, and that is still true. You must have all of these working in tandem, which would suggest they're all equally important. However, I think the will to remain standing is the most vital, and unfortunately, often the first to leave. 
The will to remain standing is so vital. Let me explain. The strength to stand, we can and should get from God's word. So the strength to stand comes from God's word, as we've established. The balance to not fall for the winds of doctrine that blow, we receive from wisdom and counsel with God. So the strength to stand we get from his word, the balance to stand we get from wisdom and counsel with him to, resist, uh, to know when to resist the forces of culture and when to seize the opportunities thereof. COVID was an incredible inconvenience, but it was a very awesome opportunity for us to reach people we may not have otherwise reached. The will to stand for these unchangeable truths, the will to stand for truth comes from us. It comes from me. My will to stand comes from me. If I lose the will to stand for truth, I won't stand for truth very long. The first crossword that gets said, the first... Uh, whatever. I'll sit down. And you the same. If you lose the will to remain standing for truth, you will sit down. So there's good news and bad news with this. I know it sounds gloom and doom, but there's good news and bad news. I always like to hear the bad news first. So the bad news is that the will that we have to stand for has failed us already in the Garden of Eden. It was the will of Adam and Eve to stand for truth, to stand to say every tree yeah. except for that one. Yeah. And with the suggestion of knowing what's good and evil, they sat down. All right. They laid it down. But the good news, the wonderful news, is that it's your will. We depend on it, but you can strengthen it. Right. Okay. Ain't that good? That's good. Ain't that good? You thought it was terrible and it was over, but it's not. You can strengthen your will to stand for truth. So how? I'm so glad you asked. Psalms 119, beginning at verse 140. The word, thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loves it. Yes. Also, we'll read verse 163. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. A love for God's word is a great deterrent to not distorting it. I love his word. That's why I don't dilute it. I love his word. That's why I don't quote it out of context. I love his word. That's why I don't take scriptures and pull them and twist them to mean what I think they mean when the wind's blowing in just the right direction. Yep, yep, that is what that means. Yep, nope. Nope, it doesn't mean it now. Nope, 2021. We don't follow the winds of our culture. This truth stands. And I love it. Amen. You know why I love it? I don't have this written down, but you know why I love it? Because it brought me out. Amen. Yes. Truth loved me when I was a pile of dirt. Yes. And when I was ever since. Amen. Truth loves me. Truth. And it loves you. When I think of the mess that I made so many times, the mess of a man that I was and still am, but truth loved me. It reached down to me in the lowest deep of despair and pulled me out and said, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Come on back to truth. It's safe there. Your word is pure. 
and I love it. Your word reaches to me, and I love it. I won't distort it. I won't take pieces out of it because I love it. I love the intimacy we hear and we feel in that verse. Your word is pure, God, and I love it. And I love that he takes it even further at verse 163. And we hear the fierce protection and fervent passion. I hate and I abhor lying, but I love your word. It should send chills down your spine, some of the doctrine you hear today. What are they saying you have to do? What are they saying is not necessary anymore? What are they saying was old-fashioned? What are they saying this? And what are they saying that? No. No, I hate and I abhor lying. And that's exactly what half-truth is. It's a full lie. This is exactly how you stand for truth and you fortify your will. You love his word so dearly. Joshua 1 and 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all. To some. To most. To 99%. To all. That is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. I love the purity and the beauty of God's word. It pierces sometimes. It's uncomfortable sometimes. It yanks me sometimes. But I'm thankful. Because if I followed my own road, I'd be on my way somewhere I wish I weren't. Thank you for your word. Why don't we just take a second and thank him for his word today. Thank you for pulling me back home, God. Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for convicting me. Thank you for not letting me walk away. When I wanted to turn my back, when I denied knowing you, thank you for your word. Reverencing back to the quote we read earlier from the religious leader of today. It upset me. It grew a little bit of fear in me. It strengthened my will. But even more than that, what shook my spirit the most was what came after that. ABC reporter James Longman was, was broadcasting the story that I watched. And as he closed the broadcast, he said the following, and I quote, Pope Francis has faced himself as the modernizing pope. He's faced huge opposition from within his own clergy. This latest move could mean the greatest backlash yet. But he may feel... He has no other choice if he is to survive in today's modern age. End quote. He may feel he has no other 
choice if he's to survive. Now, when I heard that, I heard a little bit deeper than that. So let's, let's look at this. You hear, what you hear here is a mainstream media outlet boldly stating with much of the pervading culture, if the church wants to survive, it better get with the times. If the church wishes to not become a fossilized relic, it better get its stuff together. If the church doesn't start preaching and teaching what I want it to, it's just going to go away as something else that was and never will be. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, their own passions, their own desires, their own cares, their own wind, if you will, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away from truth and shall turn to fables. That's what today's ideology is. It's fables. To think that you can have the power, the healing, the anointing, and the comfort of God with nothing else. It's not a buffet. It's all or nothing. I skipped a quote here. I'd like to go back to it. Pardon me for a moment. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's biography written by Eric Metaxas, I'd like to to quote just a small snippet from there. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer is, is speaking to a large group of people. And the book quote says, Bonhoeffer began provocatively putting forth the notion that Christ had been exiled from the lives of most Christians. Of course, he said, we build him a temple, but we live in our own houses. Religion had been exiled to Sunday morning to a place into which one gladly withdraws for a couple hours but only to get back to one's place of work immediately afterward. He also said that one cannot give God only a small compartment of our spiritual life, but he must give everything or nothing. The religion of Christ, he says, and this is one of his more famous quotes, the religion of Christ is not a tidbit after your bread. On the contrary, it is the bread or it is nothing at all. People should at least understand and concede this if they call themselves Christian. I don't know about you, but that hurt me. Ugh. Have I evicted God from his own church? Do I profess to be a Christian? Gladly to come to church four to six hours a week. Call it good. Do I confess to love him and to know his word and to love his word? But I pick and choose. I conveniently read the passages that I want and incidentally skip the ones that I don't. Well, that's a problem, Scripture. I better just skip over that one. I don't. Hmm. Many churches today are watering down salvation to nothing more than a one-time invitation for God to enter your heart. The sinner's prayer, as it's often called, is to salvation as it would be to stand at the gate of pearl and simply peer into heaven for eternity. 
Can you imagine the torment? Even, I mean, I, obviously I'm not the supreme authority, but I would think that even worse than hell. To stand on the sidewalk just outside the gate of Pearl and just look and just watch. People skipping on streets of gold and glorified bodies, and I'm out here. It's a wonderful place to begin, referencing back to what is commonly called doctrinally as a sinner's prayer, an invitation that God would come in. That's not all. That's a great place to start. But it's not nearly the full journey. Stepping through the gate is a wonderful experience, but I'm looking more forward to getting inside. Truth will stand, but what happens when I fall? Truth will never change. What happens if conviction gets a hold of me and lets me know I'm compromising in some areas? I'm cutting out some areas. I'm a little soft on these areas for a specific reason. What happens when that happens? Proverbs 24, for a just man falls seven times and stays down. Thinks about getting back up. Wants to get back up. Considers getting back up. Enjoys the view from the street. He gets up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. In the original text, y'all know how I like to do this. The word fall there, in a great variety of applications, is to cease, to die, to be a fugitive, to be inferior, to be judged, to be thrown down, to lie down, to be overthrown, overwhelmed, and to perish. What happens if I'm just overwhelmed by the culture? The pressures of everything around. What happens if I'm so overwhelmed by every wind that blows that I falter a little bit? I stumble a little bit and I take a piece out and say, well, that's the Old Testament. So, and he was just a minor prophet. So technically, I think you'd be okay without that. Stand with me, please. There will be times you'll feel downtrodden. You'll feel judged. You'll feel like a Bible thumper, as one political uh, prominent president put it not too many years ago. Clinging to your Bible. Bitter clingers. There will be times you'll feel judged. You'll feel attacked. Set your heels in because you're on the rock. (laughs) I don't know about you. That makes me excited. I don't have to determine what is good and evil. I just have to stand on it. I don't have to tell you this is why I don't like you. This is why I have opposing worldview as you. All I have to say is say, hey, it's in the word. And if it's in the word, I believe it. And if it's not, I don't. So right now, physically, I want you to dig your heel in. Dig both heels in. And picture yourself on the rock. Picture yourself on the word. But, but, but I, I just don't know. There, there's so many pressures. There's so many winds blowing. Just dig your heels in and say, God said it. He is love. Things may seem lackfully loving at times, 
but it doesn't seem so loving to tear these things off of me. It doesn't seem so, so loving to make me feel this uncomfortable, to make me feel this pierced, to step on my toes so much. It doesn't seem loving, God, but he wants to perfect us. He doesn't want to watch you go and touch that iron. He wants to say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say that. Don't let go of that. Don't cut that out. Don't get lax with that. Cling to the word. Matthew 10, 22. You'll be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. If I keep standing on the word, I will be saved. I may not be liked very much on this side of heaven, but I guarantee you all enjoy when I get to the other. Preach the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. When you get asked questions at work, stand for the word. Because the word will endure. The word doesn't contradict itself. The word doesn't change. The word doesn't let go. Truth will never change. So stand on it. Love it. God's word is your compass. It always points north. So when you get knocked down, when you feel so pressured, when you feel so off balance, pick up your word and say, God, where do you want me to go? Pick up your word and say, God, I don't know how I feel on this issue. How do you feel on this issue, God? Where do you stand on this political ideology, God? Let me find it in the word. I wonder if just for a moment you can just reflect right where you are. They're going to play and sing in a moment, but I want you just to reflect. I want you first to inwardly search and say, God, is there any areas that I'm off balance, that I'm lacking strength, or that I'm lacking some will to stand? So right now, come on, I'm not going to lead it. I just want you to, to reflect yourself. God, is there any areas that I'm vulnerable? Are there any areas in my mind in my heart? Am I weak in a certain area? Am I off balance in one area? Do I need to strengthen my will in one area? reiterate because the first thing the devil's going to try to steal is that standing is too passive standing steadfast stead firm is too passive we're an active church we're the kingdom on the move the devil's going to try to, to tempt you and to tell you you have to do more if I cling to truth, it's going to slow me down. If I cling to his word, if I do it by what he says, it'll slow down what I've got going on. I want to encourage you. We're instructed to stand. We're instructed to lean on him. He will give the increase. Plant the seeds as you're standing on the word. He will give the increase. He'll make sure it's heard. He'll make sure it grows.
You are victorious today, whether it feels it or not, when you stand on the Word. Recently, I don't know why, but I want to share a, a moment with you. I believe it was last week. You know my health conditions, and it is ebb and flow. I'm thankful, and I'm excited for healing someday. And the last, about a week and a half ago, I started to feel like my old self. My mind felt sharp. I physically, I felt good. I thought to myself, this is it. I can feel the light at the end of the tunnel. This is it. This is it. And then last Saturday, or Friday, I'm sorry, as the day went on, I felt worse and worse and worse. And the devil began to grab at me. This ain't over. I still got you. You're still weak. You're still lethargic in your mind. You're still this and you're still that. And I'll be honest, it started to become effective. But I stood. I just stood and said, God, I don't know when, but I know it will. And you know what happened the next morning? It sounds incredibly anticlimactic, but I woke up feeling good. And I realized each and every trial, each and every moment, each and every occurrence that you walk through, it's going to feel like you're defeated. It says every weapon formed against you won't prosper, but it didn't say it wouldn't hurt. It won't kill you, but it might knock you back. It didn't cause me to falter, but it sure caused me to feel defeated. But I stood. I didn't, I didn't jump up and speak in tongues and throw the Bible at him, but I just stood and said, I might feel defeated, but I know I'm not. And this may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I don't know who that was for. I don't know what bruises you're facing. I don't know what, what, what battles you're feeling battered, defeated, and downtrodden in. But I want to encourage you. You don't have to throw the spear. You just have to stand. You just have to stand and say, I won't be moved. And one day, I will be victorious. It may not feel like it right now. It may not look like it right now. But I know someday, as long as I don't move from this truth, as long as I don't move from this spot, as long as I don't lay down my arms, I will be victorious. And you will be victorious. So right now, I want you to look at these moments, whoever you are. I want you to look at these areas where the devil's trying to tell you you're not doing enough. The devil's trying to tell you you're moving too slow. The devil's trying to tell you you're already defeated. You're already done. Can you feel how you are right now? You're defeated. You're done. You're surrounded. You're downtrodden. You're judged. You're nothing. Just stand. Stand and say, I will not be moved. On this rock, I will stand. On this truth, I love. I love your truth today, God. I love your word today, God. Come on, somebody. I love your truth today, God. I love your word today, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to stand on your truth. Thank you for the opportunity to stand on your word. 
Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.